Hail Nor, and welcome to episode two of the New Outriders podcast. I am your host, Halalan. With me, as always, is my faithful co-host, Roxanne. How are you doing, Roxy? I'm great. How are you? I'm very good. Great. With us again this week is Lord Lassarian. How are you doing, Lass? Doing great. Thanks for having me back. Thank you. And we've got two guests this week, um, Baroness Sayella and Baron Burley Dog, both of which are playing Guild Wars 2. Um, Burley is a, an officer on Star Wars, and Sayella is the uh, leading the provisional Guild Wars 2 branch. So how are you guys doing tonight? Great, thanks. Glad to be here. Excellent. Thank you for the invite. Thank you for accepting. I want to start with uh, some questions for Ciela. Um Obviously, Guild Wars 2 is the newest Nor game, making you the newest Nor leader, I'm going to say. You know, you're a Baroness over there. How did you get your start in Nor? How long have you been with us? I started in Nor back in about June of 2010. Um, I was, happened to be playing a game called Runes of Magic, and... Um, one day I was just kind of wandering about and saw a player that had a really pretty dress on <laughs> and um, thought I'd take a look and see what it was. You could look and see what equipment was, and there was a write-up. That game allows you to write up things about you, and it happened to be um, Lady Gwen, and she had a little blurb about the guild she was in. It's like, oh, gosh, that sounds really interesting. So I started a conversation with her, and it kind of led to both uh, Burley Dog and I joining uh, Nor, and we've been here at home ever since. That's fantastic. Right? Well, and she also started by seeing Wynn's dress, and I'm sure that it was amazing because Wynn, you know, she is amazing. All right. Um, what possessed you to put your name into the hat to run the new branch at Guild Wars? Um, I've been a branch leader before. Um, obviously, Lass and Roxy have, and they wouldn't have been on the High Council. There's a lot of work that goes into that. So, you know, what if that appealed to you? Well, I like a challenge, but I think the main driving force was I had done research and checked into the game. I had actually... Um, uh, pre-ordered or pre-purchased the game so that I could do the betas, and I was extremely impressed with it. And I guess I wanted to share my love of the game with others, and um, so I volunteered. <laughs> and you you dragged Burley along, kicking and screaming. Yeah, Absolutely. I got him. <laughs> I got him interested in it. Yes. <laughs> so now that you have your provisional barony, I know you're looking forward to moving up to a county. Um, can you explain that process to the people who might not know how that works? Okay, well, um, a county, um, which would be our next, let's see, I believe it would be our next step up. Yeah, county. Yes, yes. Okay, sorry. I have to learn all these little things. Um, would comprise of um, a count or countess, and underneath them would be two baron or baronies. Um, so that's, I guess, our next step. Yep, and then from county to a duchy, and then from duchy to ruling the world. <laughs> I know that uh, a large portion of that branch, when it came in, was active existing NOR members, um, as happens when most new games open. How have you guys done with recruiting? What are your recruiting efforts like? We've actually done very well. Um, a lot of our, we have a lot of recruits here in the guild. Um, several of them came um, because of friends. 
uh, we had a friend that had played with us briefly in WoW here with Noor, and he brought a friend of his along, and she brought several friends of her along um, with us, so we got recruits that way. I have also posted in the um, Guild Wars 2 um, forums uh, a blurb about our guild, and I've gotten recruits that way, and also just grouping with people or running into people and helping them out, and, you know, they see our tag and start asking about the guild, and, and when they hear what it's like, they want to join and, and be part of the family. So. Well, that's, that's fantastic. I know personally I've done a lot with Nora over the years, but recruiting is one area I am very bad at because I don't talk to people that I don't know. So if I'm playing Guild Wars 2, the only people I'm going to talk to are the people in Nor. If I'm playing WoW, the only people I'm going to talk to are the people in Nor. Uh, so I'm a bad recruiter, so it's nice to see that you've got somebody on your branch who's able to do it. As far as that goes, you, you guys have a lot of branch events scheduled, some of them fairly you know, simple, like the, the weekly Vista Nights, some of them a lot more daunting, like the, the WVW events. What's your approach to vet branch events? Are you going to... You know, throw everything at the wall and see what sticks, or are you doing a little chatting with your members beforehand so you know what they want? Done a little bit of both. I've had ideas myself that I wanted to institute and had thought about the three things that we have going on right now, which is our Vista Night, our dungeon and um, dungeon runs in our world versus world. I'd also like to do more down the road, but at our uh, guild meeting that we had, I also propose some of the things and ask for input. Um, when we get in team speak and talk, I've talked to different ones to see what they like to do as well. So that's pretty much how that's evolved. All right. And do you have any other other things you'd like to do with the branch? Do you have, you know, certain people that you'd like to see, you know, step up and lead some of those events? Or are you just going to kind of see how it goes? I've got some people in mind, um, you know, um, one or two that I think that are going to step up to bat and, and take more of a leadership role. And I see others that I see potential in that I'm looking forward to in the future. So, yeah, I certainly would like some help in, in doing things. I've, you know, encouraged those that um, would like to uh, participate in things if they want to to uh do it, and I'm seeing some of that starting to happen. I think as people feel more comfortable as they're learning the game, that I'm going to see more and more of that um, going on. Awesome. Last, Roxy, do you have any questions for Sela? Well, I don't really have a question as much as some comment. I mean, Sela, you have done an awesome job with that branch, and uh, I've really enjoyed participating in some of the things that you've set up. Um, there always seems to be a really great turnout. Uh, and the game's fun. You know, the people are great. And it's just, you know, you've just done a really good job, Sayella. Well, thank you. Yeah. So did you have anything, Les? Uh, just to echo your sentiments that you know, certainly Sayella is doing a terrific job over there. I haven't been able to participate in as many events. I, I did one a little while ago, and then I kind of got caught up at work. But um, I did want to ask, Sayla, your your branch population is, is getting to be about, what, 35-ish, 40 by now? <laughs> yeah, we're about that. there. Not a, not a lot more. Some of that, I would say probably those that are primarily playing our game is probably about between 35 and 40. Right. They've got a few more than that that are I would consider visitors, so... Okay, but nevertheless, you're you're nevertheless managing a a, a larger population of people than when the game. I mean, the next step is is kind of upon you. 
um, as far yes. as moving up to, to county, uh, you know, whether you're, you know, feel ready for it or not, I sort of feel like it's, it's creeping up on you. Um, uh, yeah, it's a process yeah. that's in the works, so. <laughs> right. right so that'll be great once that, uh, once you're able to, to swing that. I mean, once you're, you've got your officers secured and you've, you've got those guys, uh, prepared to step up, then, uh, I'll be looking forward to that step. Yeah. Me too. Well, in all honesty, she puts a lot of time and effort into it. She's always combing the, uh, the forums and people replying to people looking for guilds that are, you know, kind of meet our criteria where they're looking for a, a little more mature guild, family oriented, uh, clean living. So she's constantly, uh, I feel like a guild wars widower, but uh, I'm managing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at least I don't have to salute her anymore when she walks by. So things are getting better in the house. But she spends a, a lot of time on the game trying to improve it for everybody. And I have to say that I'm quite proud. I don't know if and when or at all if I'm going to come over as an officer. I may come over as an active recruit. That's fine. But uh, this is her bailiwax, and I'm going to let her run with it. And I'm just going to sit in the back and maybe offer advice from time to time. But... I think she's doing a great job, so. Well, and one of the nice things when you take that next step and move up to a county is you have legitimate underlings at that point, and if you're the kind of person that will allow it, you can hand off some of, at least some of your work to them. Um, if you're anything like Lass and myself, that's not going to happen so much. You're going well. kind of, to be hands-on, <laughs> but, you know, you know, to each their own, but, you know, you do have legitimate underlings that you can hand some of that stuff to, so it does help. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the way the system is set up, and it really helps when when you have people that you can trust to take care of some of your duties, because you don't want to get burned out. And you won't. All right, uh, that's it for the Guild Wars 2 branch. We'll be back with Guild Wars 2 a couple times throughout the podcast. So right now, we're going to move on to News from the Realms. Um, start with Dungeons and Dragons Online. Uh, I believe it's the oldest game in the Noor Pantheon. Uh, the latest video update for DDO is up on YouTube. You can get there at ddo.com. Uh, it is a Q&A session uh, with some questions about uh, DDO's gameplay and uh, the lore surrounding the game. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons has become a fairly large universe over the years, so there's some good information there. And update 16, the Netherese Legacy, is coming soon. Um, that should be out early in November. Um, it features the High Road of Shadows quest pack, which includes five new dungeons, all of which are free to VIPs. If you spend any money ever on Dungeons & Dragons Online, you move from being a free-to-pay player to a VIP. So I've spent $5 in total on that game. I'm a VIP now, so those will be free to me. Um, it's very easy. I would recommend that anybody who wants to try DDO, throw a couple bucks at it. You won't regret it, and it couple bucks isn't going to hurt you. Um, update 16 also adds a new Epic Destiny, uh, the Primal Avatar, and a bunch of new items to the store. Well, that sounds like a pretty good deal. You know, you spend a few bucks, you become a VIP, and you have access to that. So that's pretty cool. Yep, and being a VIP takes you from two character slots to four. You spend money once, and you're automatically a VIP. Um, VIP is that tier that they created for everybody who bought the game originally or was a subscriber back when it required a subscription. You know, so they went free-to-play, they added that VIP tier, and, you know, everybody got a whole bunch of extra stuff for free that the free-to-play players don't get necessarily. Moving on to Lord of the Rings Online. Uh, The official site has a really good dev diary up about the roving warbands coming in the next expansion. 
Uh, the idea of roving warbands is to give the players the feel of world bosses, but world bosses that move around so you're not, like, spawn camping all the time like was common in the original EverQuest. When players are in range of a warband, they'll get a quest to pop up to go kill the Rampaging Horde, and this will be like your quest pop-ups in Guild Wars 2 um, when you get within range of an event, or Rift Invasions for those people who play Rift. Um, right, I was going to comment on that, too. Um, it sounds very Rift-like, you know, so that's pretty cool. It's nice that Turbine was able to work that tech into their game, because for a long time their game was sort of a straight-up WoW clone, so anything new that they can add to differentiate themselves is good. Yes, absolutely. Uh, EverQuest 2, the latest community webcast, is out from Sony, and it's all about user-generated content. Um, check out the, the Sony Online Entertainment site for information on that. Uh, they talk mostly about user-generated items for EQ2's housing system. I was not aware that you could create your own stuff for EQ2 houses, but apparently you can, and you can buy, sell, and trade it within the game. And also the portals for Oktoberfest are open. So if you're a big fan of in-game holidays, that's there for you. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I wanted to ask last, too. Um, have you spoken with Ryland? I mean, how are things going over in EverQuest? Do you know? Have you heard I anything? I haven't spoken to him recently, no. Um, the last I heard, he was simply trying to pull together the players that he had available to him that were on on a regular basis and trying to uh, schedule some smaller events, just, you know, three or four members or whatever it was. But he was having some success doing that and was looking forward to actually scheduling some events that he could post on the forums and, and maybe send out an invite to everybody to, to attend. Okay, cool. All right, moving on to Star Wars The Old Republic, uh, soon to be free-to-play. The Old Republic is coming to New York, Austin, New Orleans, and San Francisco. Um, if you're in, in or near one of those cities on their community tour, each site will be offering players a chance to meet with members of the community team and the game's developers. Uh, details are at theoldrepublic.com. Rift started the, the beta for their Storm Legion expansion last Friday. Um, not any other news there, but that beta is now open, so the expansion can't be that far off. Uh, Guild Wars 2. ArenaNet is sponsoring a Halloween diorama contest. Uh, make a Halloween-themed diorama for a chance to win gaming peripherals from SteelSeries, uh, graphics cards from NVIDIA, and a signed making of Guild Wars 2 book. Uh, you can get information on that at the Guild Wars 2 homepage. Um, you guys going to be making any dioramas? Not me. I'll do it. Yeah, I haven't planned anything quite yet. Been too busy with other things, but I'll have to look into that it. That sounds like fun. I so maybe you, we could do like a guild one and then a war one. That's an idea. I have a Steel Series mouse. I have their uh, World of Warcraft uh, Cataclysm branded mouse with 14 buttons. Um, wow. As far as, as far as gaming on a PC goes, it's the best purchase I've ever made. Really? Yes. Uh, yeah, I use it in Guild Wars 2. I don't like... I have a problem in Guild Wars 2. You know, your your main actions are 1 through 5 on your keyboard. I don't have a problem with that. But the secondary ones, 6 through 9, I can't hit. I I have a ergonomic split keyboard, making 7, 8, and 9 extremely inconvenient um, if my right oh. hand is on my mouse and my left hand is on the home row. So I map those keys to my mouse, and now everything is, like, at my fingertips. It's great. Wow, I need a new mouse. Well, get as many buttons as you can. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there was a patch on October 1st, just general bug fixes and class balancing, nothing nothing groundbreaking, not like the previous one where they fixed the huge dungeon exploit. And the latest dev blog is up on the Guild Wars 2 website explaining uh, how to obtain legendary weapons. 
All right, moving on to World of Warcraft. Yes, before you get into all the good stuff about the raids and and all of that, I would just like to make a couple of comments. Um, I recently got the Mists of Pandaria uh, expansion, and I have to say I am very impressed. I did not expect to enjoy it as much as I did when I logged on. Um, the graphics are wonderful. The the new land is just beautiful. Yeah, I've really enjoyed it. It's yeah, it's it's pretty cool. So if you're thinking about getting it, that's my recommendation. Well, that's good. Yeah. Yep. the The raid release schedule for Mists uh, went up last Tuesday. The first raid went up on Tuesday. Uh, this week, the heroic version of that raid went up. Uh, next week, that whole raid will be available via Raid Finder for people who want to plug the raid on easier difficulty. And then continuing over the next couple weeks, the next couple raids for the the first release of Mists will open to everybody. They're doing a, a staggered release like that, really to to stop the hardcore raiders from burning through the content within like two weeks, um, as you know, certain hardcore progression raiding guilds will do. Um, this staggers it out a little right. better. It makes the content a little better flowing. Um, additionally, WoW is back over 10 million subscribers. Uh, they were down to 9 as late as August in the pre-expansion lull. And 2.7 million copies of Mist sold its first week, which doesn't include China because it launched a week late in China. Um, also, patch 5.1 is coming to the, the public test realms. Um, long-time WoW players will know that is extremely fast for the next major patch to be on the test realms after the release of an expansion. Uh, normally, WoW content patches take four to five months. Um, the expansion cycle is usually about two years. This one was about 20 months. Um, they're going to break that up. In the past, they've had all these different kinds of updates go into their patches, and then they also included a raid. Now they're going to separate them. So 5.1 is going to continue the story of Pandaria, which is the war between the Alliance and Horde. It's going to add the Brawler's Guild to Orgrimmar and Stormwind, where you can fight um, solo fights against like creatures from the world that, get, that escalate in difficulty. Um, which will be kind of fun. I'm a very good solo PvE player, uh, so I'll definitely try that. Uh, they're going to make some improvements to pet battles. Um, the item upgrade system will go live. You're going to be able to upgrade your existing items with Valor Points into um, higher tiers of items, rather than like having to go raid for upgrades all the time. You can just upgrade them with the Valor Points you have. And Rathion, the Black Dragon, his quest will continue towards giving players their legendary weapons. Um, players will notice there's no raid in this patch, and that's because 5.2 will probably have a raid. So rather than your normal WoW patch cycle where you get three or four content patches over the life of the expansion, we're probably going to get seven or eight for Mists of Pandaria. And they're going to break up the feature releases with the raid releases so that they're staggered every other. Um, it should help deal with some of the complaints that Blizzard is too slow getting new content out for people. Right. Well, and also, uh, before we move on, I just wanted to mention that Brewfest is going on. I think that ends Sunday. Is that right? And um, Halloween is right on its heels. So, you know, if you play WoW and you want to get those achievements, better get to it. Yeah, I'll, still. I'll drink to that. Blizzard, Blizzard hates me. <laughs> I've been trying to get the Swift Brewfest Kodo for like five years, and I have the RAM. 
but the boss will not give me the Kodo for the life of me. I kill him, you know, oh, wow. three times a day, you know, once per each of my top-level characters. Um, now with this expansion, it's only once per day, because I've only got 190, but you know, I kill him every day. I've probably gotten, over the years, a hundred of his loot bags, and I still haven't gotten the stinking Kodo, which is the only thing I want from that whole whole holiday. Oh, well, that's too bad. feels like you just jammed it. In my chest and twisted it a little. All right, and then just a couple news items for some games that Nor may be looking at in the future. Uh, the open beta for Mech Warrior Online starts on October 16th, so if you like giant fighting robots, that's for you. And Neverwinter, upcoming MMO from Cryptic, um, is giving away beta keys with a Halloween writing contest. So if you want to write a Halloween-themed story, um, presumably set in the Dungeons & Dragons universe, um, Check that out on the Neverwinter website. That sounds interesting. I'll have to look at that, um, you know, because as most of everyone knows, uh, Inawar had a presence in Neverwinter um, nights back in AOL, way back in the day. So looking forward was, to that. That was a great game back then, and that's actually what kind of got me hooked on the Dungeons & Dragon theme. And as far as Mech Warrior. I was always a fan of that franchise, so yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to that myself. Yeah, Jay was too. He he really liked the Mech Warrior um, games, so it's going to be cool. So this is Tally. You probably know you do this kind of this kind of reading, this kind of research. The the Neverwinter, well, it's Neverwinter two, right? I mean, it's the second release of, of a familiar title that is set in the Dungeons and Dragons universe. Is the same software company that is handling DDO handling Neverwinter 2 or is this a, a new franchise or a new a new license to a to a new a new company that's going to be handling this um, it is a new license to a new company um, obviously Wizards of the Coast still owns Dungeons and Dragons as a whole um, Perfect World is the publisher Cryptic is the producer on the game or the developer on the game Cryptic made Champions Online right um, I believe they also made City of Heroes but that doesn't seem right to me because those are essentially the same game. Um, so it is a new license. It's still set in the Forgotten Realms. It's still set in and around Neverwinter. Um, but I don't know hmm. much of the lore beyond that. Um, it's set in the future from where other Neverwinter games have been set. But there's one standard trope that happens in every Neverwinter, Neverwinter game, is that the city was destroyed and rebuilt at some point. Um <laughs> If you played the original Neverwinter MMO, then Neverwinter Nights, um, and then Neverwinter Nights 2, you know, the two single-player RPGs, I'm fairly certain that before every one of those stories, Neverwinter was destroyed and rebuilt, and that has happened yet again. So uh, that's still there. That's still common. One thing they're featuring is user-generated content. Um, You'll be able to make your own quests within the game. It sounds like at some point you'll be able to design your own armor sets. I hope they have some kind of restrictions in place so that, you know, we don't have every woman running around in next to nothing. I think that's sort of sexist in the gaming industry, but that's just my opinion. Yeah, Uh, and it certainly doesn't happen much now. It depends on what you play. Well, no. Well, I can tell you that I've seen more of the bottom half of my elementalists than I have the top half. So, yeah, new armor is good for me. I think I I mentioned that to to Ciela when we did the the weekly Vista night in what is that city the Silvari starting city in Guild Wars Two the other day is uh-huh. she's running around in her Silvari who has like no clothes on she did too <laughs> you yeah you had like a couple of band aids on 
wasn't <laughs> that just, bad. Just for the record, a thong is considered clothing. Exactly. That is true. Oh, um, my gosh. Yeah, yeah, the big thing for Neverwinter is going to be user-generated content. Right now, apparently in the beta, it's just you can make your own quests. But it sounds like they're going to have something like, um, if anybody's familiar with it, Halo's Forge mode, where you can build maps in Halo. They're going to have something like that for Neverwinter, so you might be able to design your own dungeons. Um which would be completely new for an MMO, as far as I know. Um, so I'm I'm looking forward to that now more than I was a couple months ago, and what I've seen of it so far is absolutely gorgeous. Wow. Well, I can't wait for the bat. This sounds really, really nice. Although it does come second to me to giant fighting robots. Because um, like I said, <laughs> with Jay, um, I've loved the Mech Warrior series since I was like, you know, that first Mech Warrior game came out, I was like, like, 10 or 11. Um, yeah. And giant fighting robots are awesome. <laughs> yeah. No, they're not. There's nothing like pummeling a city or another mech with, you know, big lasers and everything uh, that goes along with it and the thundering sound as you're running. So, yeah, that's been a great game. And you talk about being age 10 when you started it. I might be just a couple years older, barely, when I started playing it as well. Yes, it should be should be fun. I don't know what kind of guild or clan systems they're going to have in that game, but um, if they have something, I might have to reactivate myself for that. All right, that's it for news from around the realms. Uh, moving on, we're going to have our, our big discussion topic is Guild Wars 2. Um, guild Wars 2 is, is what's hot in MMOs right now. Guild, it sold. Um, the last announced number was like 2.5 million copies that I saw, um, but that was still fairly early in September. I would be very surprised if it wasn't around 4 million by now. Um, As far as I can tell, it's the biggest MMO release, new game release since WoW. Um, Yeah, it's it's huge. I mean, you don't even see it in the stores. Yeah, pretty much sells out, I think, as quick as they get it in for the most part. Right, yeah. So let's sort of walk people through the game. Um, with the experts, Sayala and Burley. Um, obviously, everybody starts out level one. You've got to quest your way to the top. What is the questing like in Guild Wars, and how would you describe it to somebody who is on the fence and hasn't tried the game yet? Well, it goes away or strays away from the conventional. You zone into an area. There's a whole bunch of question marks, and you get the quest and go on. It's not like that. You start out, and there's something drastic happening in any of the starting areas, and um, you just kind of listen to people talk, and you kind of follow along. Um, What happens, or what they call them, is... um, dynamic events that just kind of happen around you as as things go on. And um, you do have your starter, I would say, introductory area, so you can kind of get the feel of things before you wander out into the world. But it's really cool. And a lot of people that are structured players probably didn't like it at first. They weren't sure what to think of it. I, I love it um, because I like to wander around and things happen around me. So... I can kind of choose and pick and choose where I go, and and things are always happening. I'm always involved in something. I'm quite often wandering off and getting lost, but <laughs> I find my way back anyway. But, yeah, that's pretty much how it goes. I found myself one of those people that actually, uh, when I first entered the game, 
I like the structure. I want to walk into a town, pick up my 20 quests, go about doing my business, come back and, you know, get all my, you know, XP and watch it jump. But as I progress through the game, I realize that that's not actually the best way. And a lot of times when you're questing and you get into these events, and I'm sure Sayel will talk more about it, when you get into these events, you watch that experience bar just start rolling across, and it's like, wow, I can't believe I'm leveling and I'm not doing anything. Uh, so you go into one town, you, you get a quest, and the guy says, hey, I need you to help my farm grow. So you do little things at the lower levels, like throw water on his corn, and it'll, you know, when you fill up his heart, it means you, it's kind of like a faction thing with him. And then you can buy and sell different things. Uh, so, yeah, I, I got away from this structured questing, and I found that it's actually a lot more fun. And like Sayel, you could just be tooling around, you know, the environment. And XP is just popping up left and right. Events are popping up. It's uh, it, it opens up a whole new mindset, you know, of thinking. Uh, I know my paradigms have changed. Yeah, I love the questing, the questing model, um, because like say, oh, I like to just roam around and look at things and, and, uh, I've gotten to where I really love clearing the vistas and the point of interest. Um, I really love doing that because, you know, it's kind of like a, you know, you get a little mini treat when you clear that vista and you see how beautiful the, um, the graphics are. Are any of you Assassin's Creed players? What, honey? I said, are any of you Assassin's Creed players? Yes. No. When you clear Vista and you get that shot that, you know, swirls around and shows you the scenery, do you have a temptation to dive off into a giant hay bale like you do in Assassin's (laughs) Creed? Because I have actually jumped off of a couple of Vistas when I was done. Did you die? Yes. Of course. That's half the fun of it. Oh, I love Assassin's Creed. But anyway. Speaking of dying, the one thing I do have a problem with is I'm a map kind of guy. So I have my map up, and I'm watching my little arrow and my little dots of where I've been. And a lot of times I won't realize that there's a cliff that I'm running off until my dot's not moving anymore. And then I'll call up the page, and it's like, yeah, okay, gravity one, burly dog zero. That's awesome. That's sort of sad, but I, I will admit I've done that as well. Um, at least I had a rings of fire, you know, so I am improving. Well, so you're better than the average wild player. Barely. Let's not talk about rings of fire, please. One thing that happened to me, and I don't, I don't know if this is common. I assume it's not. Um, one, I refuse to craft. So whenever I get crafting materials in my bag, I sell them. Um, I don't. I, I shouldn't say that. I don't like crafting as I level. I like getting to max level, going back down, and then farming stuff because it gives me something to do. So that, that's how I like to craft. So I haven't been crafting as I leveled, and I noticed when I got into the second human zone that the content very, sort of very quickly outpaced my level. Um, in that first zone, I cleared the entire zone, all the vistas, all the points of interest. I cleared all the hearts, and I did every random event that happened around me. And by the time I got to that second zone, those first couple quests there are level 16 and 17, and I was only 13. Um, is that common? Because um, I actually had to go do, 
I, I, I did some WVW, some World vs. World, and I did part of the Silvari starting zone to catch my level back up and then go back to, into the zone um, that followed, you know, my main story zone and, you know, to get my level back up. Is that common or did I do something wrong? I wouldn't say that you did something wrong, per se. I have heard people remark on that. I've not had that problem because I have done some crafting as well, although not a lot of it. But I have found that I've gone to help other people out, or I have, I've done the dungeons. Of course, that's higher level, so I can't really count that. But I've gone pretty much to all the starting cities, done all the vistas. And when you do complete an area, you do get experience for that, too. So... Um, I think you do have to do a little above and beyond than just doing your zone with nothing else to be able to be caught up. And I think they figure that people will do perhaps the, the PvP or World versus World um, to help that experience um, bar move along a little bit. And you mentioned you mentioned doing some dungeons in there. Um I have not yet experienced the dungeon in Guild Wars 2. Um, I understand there's a couple different modes. There's story mode and exploration mode. And um, Could you just give me a walkthrough of how dungeons work? Okay. Um, dungeons are pretty much typical of, of most um, games. Um, you do have your... The story mode is the easiest mode. And what it does, it also has cutscenes... Um, that kind of goes along with your storyline that you choose in the beginning of the game so that um, it kind of moves the the story along and progresses towards the end game, so to speak. So that's what the story mode's about. It brings in different players to explain what's what's going on throughout the story. When you get into explorable, you don't have the cutscenes, and they throw in extras, so it is more difficult. Um, I haven't done, we haven't done as a guild the explorable yet. I think that's going to be our next step with some of the lower level ones because we've got quite a few that have completed the story mode first so we can go on to that. But I guess there are random events that take place that you wouldn't see in the story mode. Plus, I believe in some of them, if not all of them, there's areas that you can go into that you can't in the story mode. So it becomes a bit more complex. All right. And how do the dungeons play as far as group composition goes? No, I didn't know how that was going to work out. We're so used to the tank, healer, DPS, and we've gone in with various combinations. Um, One night I think we went in with three rangers, and um, I brought my engineer in, and um, we had, uh, I think, an elementalist. And... Yeah, we suffered our deaths. Uh, one nice thing is that they do have waypoints set in there, and they do have um, a repair, so you can go and repair when your when your armor gets damaged. But we've completed the the um, the two that we've done, um, and we just you have to become aware of your health. Um, most of us that have different heals um, or regeneration properties, we try to lay them down. I know I've try to uh, focus on the healing with my engineer and I will put down different items that I have that regen the health of players and um, and things like that so we've just kind of been aware of what each other are doing and try to to get the aggro off of us or do some of our things that uh, you know will stop that to keep us alive and keep us going and does 
Guild Wars 2 have anything akin to raids, larger group outings for PvE? No. Um, the big group things would be more your PvP, World versus World particularly. So. Okay. And then uh, something I asked, because I'm only in my mid-20s as far as level goes now. I'm not up near the top, so I haven't really thought about it. I'm only outfitting myself in the stuff that drops off what I kill or what comes to me from my quests. I haven't bought anything. Um when you get up to that top level, how do you out your, outfit yourself? Um, I mean, I've noticed I'm getting, like, karma points as I complete quests for people and stuff like that. I have no idea what those are for, what I'm going to do with them. Um, so how does that all work? Well, there's different levels of gear, like there is in most games. You start out with your basic um, and works its way up. The highest level is legendary, which is the ultimate, from what I understand I don't have any of that yet. I haven't reached 80 yet, but the highest level is legendary. Um, there are karma vendors um, that that um, sell uh, high level level gear. Uh, lots of karma. You get karma during doing a lot of things in the game, including your um, world versus world and um, your different questing things, um, stuff like that. Um, there's crafted gear that I believe that between that and some of the PvP that you can get your legendary from that. There also are add-ons that you can add to a lot of your gear that enhances it as well. Things like um, sigils and runes and gems as well. So all those combine to, to make your higher-end gear. And it's not so much the stats as it's um, the looks. The legendary is more the exotic looks. And then there's also gear based towards the race that you choose that you can buy at higher levels in the game as well. So, And some of them is bought with, with in-game money. Some of them is bought with um, the karma. So, And some of it's bought with PvP rewards. Is is all of the gear? Um, I know it's color coded, but what are the the codes? I assume they change as you get better gear. The colors, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, your basic is your white. Um, then uh, different than other games, you've got your the next level up is blue, then the greens. Um, those are considered masterwork. Yellow is rare. Um, orange is exotic, and then your legendary is purple. I am okay. never going to oh. remember that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just figured out that yellow was better than blue, which is kind of turned around for me for some, for some reason. That makes that that makes sense to me because that would be like Diablo three. Um, blue would be your magical, and yellow would be your rare. Um, so that makes that makes sense to me. Yeah, yeah. It takes a little getting used to, but once you uh, get the hang of it, you know, you realize that ooh, blue it looks nice, but yeah, green is much better. And then you just dem or you know uh, turn them into stuff for crafting. I've noticed that some of the green stuff I got was better than the blue stuff I was wearing. And, you know, I'm just, you know, low-level questing, so I just equip whatever's got the best stats, so I don't care. Um, PvP and World versus World. Um, what are the differences between the two different modes? Well, PvP is um, smaller groups, and um, they have structured PvP. The, the reward you get from that is glory, which you use to buy items. Um, 
you know, you're obviously you're fighting against other players. I think you can do groups of four, eight, and I know they're looking into adding more when, as far as that goes into the structured player versus player, including, um, uh, from what I understand, they're going to have uh, tournaments out of that as well and custom tournaments, but that's something they haven't added to the game yet. Um, world versus world is where you're pitting server against server, so um, it's a it's much more massive. The map is much more massive, and what they do is um, randomly generate every I believe every week now. It may have changed recently. I got to check into that, but it's three servers are involved, and you're um, going for um, achieving points by capturing different objectives, things like that in the game. Um, that I have done. I haven't done really much at all with the PvP, um, but the World versus World, we've been having a blast. We've had um, groups of uh, Norbies going the past couple of weeks and plan on doing that on a weekly basis. But you capture different objectives. You get experience from the kills. There's actually events going on just as in your regular PvE play, so um, there's different objectives you have to meet, and you get experience. You get karma from that, um, and I believe there's tokens that also fall randomly that you can get from that as well. But um, you get the different points. Uh, the server gets bonuses from the different things that you get um, when you achieve different things in the game as well as the players in the game. And if you capture things in your guild's name, you also get bonuses for that too. And we were able to do that a couple times last week, which is kind of fun to see our, our banner up there. So That was – I've done some of the WVW. And one thing about both modes – I think we should mention is that the structured PvP, it bumps you up to level 80 and gives you access to all the skills, and WVW, it bumps you up to level 80. It doesn't give you the the skills you haven't earned yet, but it does bump you up to level 80, so everybody's on a somewhat level playing field. And um, I joined Nor back in Dark Age of Camelot, and that game's entire hook was its realm versus realm PvP system, and that's what WVW in Guild Wars 2 is. Um, it really harkens back to that and then takes it to the next level. And it's, it's, it's insane. Um, my character is a warrior and during my PVE play, I don't, I don't use my two ranged weapon options because that's not fun. I want to get in there and smack stuff with axes. Um, but in TV, in the WVW, I found that I was dying because I was, you know, the guy who rushed in first and everybody else was behind me and I didn't like that anymore. So I started equipping my gun and my longbow instead of diving in all the time and I found that I died much less but I also didn't get nearly as many kills so I'm going to have to find a balance there yeah and yeah, I really can't the, the WVW is really really fun um, and it's nice that you don't have to wait to do it um, you know everybody's 80 you're not necessarily on a level playing field because if you're you're a higher level you'll have unlocked more skill points you'll have unlocked more of your I think it's traits um you know, yes. so you'll have you'll have more stuff that way, but you know, as far as your health goes and everything like that, it's on a level playing field. And the big thing I noticed is that when you run into players from other servers, it doesn't tell you their names. No, it doesn't. Um, and that's something that you know Blizzard has shown over the years is their stats, their surveys. Um, other companies have shown this as well. The biggest impediment between most people and PvP is that the people they're fighting against can see who they are and troll them. Um, and people have a fear that this is going to happen to them if they play badly. 
Um, adding that level of anonymity so that the people on the other servers can't see who you are should take that down for at least some people. If you're afraid, you know, of the other per- person seeing you and, you know, it's your first time out there and you're not very good, they're not going to be able to troll you because all it's going to say is, um, I forget what server we're on, but it's going to say the server name and invader. Um, yep. This doesn't exactly. tell you who they are. It's, I think that is a, a great touch for them. Yeah, I think for me, I have a big star over my head that says, come kill me, because I know when I go into <laughs> the world versus world, I end up dead a lot. You know, I am squishy, but, yeah, I must have some sort of target on me. I think the world versus world, um, as far as the PvE content goes that I've done so far, Guild Wars, I think it's good, but I don't think it's what would keep me there. But the world versus world, I can see playing that for a long time, because... You know, PvP is sort of is sort of what I do now. Um, I mentioned last week on our podcast that my brother and I in WoW we twink out our characters, go to low level battlegrounds, and just destroy people. Um, I think one thing I can't get from that that I did get in WoW is um, in WoW people can see my name. A guy actually rolled a new character on our server just to swear at me because I killed him. Um, I think I had 50 kills and zero deaths that round. Um, I'm not going to stop playing Guild Wars 2 until I go to World vs. World and I kill 50 people without dying. So, those of you who've done it a lot more than I have know that's probably never going to happen, so I'm going to be around for a while. No, that's good. Wow. Yeah, I'm just going to start calling you killer. I love PvP. Um, I didn't for a long time, but I, I love PvP because PvE stuff, you know, you run the same dungeon 50 times, it's going to get boring, but PvP is different every time. And... Um, People well, people are extremely unpredictable to fight against, and bringing three people, three servers worth of people into one massive battleground with keeps to attack and defend and objectives to capture. Um, Guild yeah, Wars definitely keep you hopping. Guild Wars two, Guild War two WVW could be its own game, in my opinion. It it definitely could. Well, I haven't tried uh, World versus World yet, but. Um um, I think I'm going to try it this week. It oh, you definitely should. Yeah. Yeah, if you're if you're an MMO PvP player at all, it's the place to be. Well, um, that's most of what I have for actual gameplay questions. Uh, as far as gameplay is concerned, did you have anything last, Roxy? Uh, no. Um, I've enjoyed the game. Like I said, I haven't done World versus World, but I'm not a big PvPer. But I'm definitely going to try that because it sounds fun. And if you're on a if you're on a level playing field with everyone, that's even better. So, no, I haven't tried the uh, the World versus World yet either. I, I was just getting my feet wet in the game, so I haven't had a chance to to branch out. I actually spent most of my time doing the first quests and, and crafting, but uh, intending to do some PvP and, and try the, the World versus World. But I just haven't done it yet. It is a lot more fun if you're ranged. Because you tend to live longer. I tried tried it with my melee, and it just, I got brutalized. I felt like I was back in prison, and yeah, I just didn't have a good time. Back? Back in prison? Okay. Oh, my mistake. Um, I've never been there. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, I do have some questions about Guild Wars 2's business model. Um, because it's, I mean, it's the same one that Guild Wars had for the most part, um, but it's non-standard within the industry. Uh, the old standard was subscription. Um, that's where WoW is, that's where Rift is, that's what Star Wars is getting away from. The hot new thing is free-to-play, where 
you can get the game for free, no upfront purchase. You can play it for free uh, without doing anything, but there's a lot of restrictions on what you can do as a free player. Your character slots are limited. Um, certain content will be gated behind a paywall. Uh, in EverQuest, uh, the highest tier, the highest tiers of like spells and abilities are gated behind a paywall, uh, so you have to pay to access those. You could play through to level 92 in EverQuest without paying a cent and still be an effective player, but there's just some things that'll be locked off to you. Uh, what Guild Wars 2 does is essentially buy to play. You still pay your 60 bucks up front for the game, but then after that, there's no subscription. Um, given that this is an MMO and it's it's going to be ongoing, how does ArenaNet make money going forward? Because they have to to keep the servers alive. Well, they have the gem store. Um, you purchase gems, um, obviously, with cash, um, or you can actually use in-game gold to purchase gems. Um, you can also sell gems once you have them to get gold if you want to do that as well. So it kind of exchanges back and forth. Um, none of the stuff that you buy, you, you, you most of the stuff that you can buy, you can get in the game. Um, there's a few things, obviously, that you can't. Um, you can upgrade your game. Uh, you can purchase extra character slots, but you do start with five, which gives you quite a few to start with. Um, you can also expand your bag space in your bags, and you can also expand your bank, but you still have quite a bit of that to start with as well, and you can you can craft or buy larger bags to go in there, so you don't have to do that right away. But, um, you know, some of the different things that you can purchase if you're interested in that are um, clothing, and most of it is for looks. Um, they've got a pirate outfit, a cook's outfit. There's hats, um, sunglasses, different things like that. You can get um, dyes to color your clothes, which is another nice feature of the game. You don't have to look like everybody else, even though you may have similar armor. You can uh, you start out with a color palette, which you can add to. A lot of them drop off the mobs as you kill them, but you can also buy some of the colors in the um, gem store to change the look of your armor um there's different things um like um boosts um keys for the black lion chests um although you can get those as well in the game once again although i've got probably 15 or 20 in my bank and i don't have any keys right now and i haven't bought any so um and there's mini pets that you can also buy and i don't know that I haven't seen where you can get those in the game, so I think that's something else that you probably have to buy at the gem store. So, but, but you can't buy like armor upgrades or weapon upgrades, right? It's no, just no. That's nope. that's actually the beauty of, the, of this store is that it's not going to give you an advantage over another player. It allows you right. what I like to call foo foo stuff. You can. You can get the pretty dresses, the outfits. You can get, like, an XP enhancer to where it doubles your XP for an hour. Uh, certain pots that will let you get more out of your farming. A little stuff like that, but no real upgrades. But what's right. really smart about this is you don't have to worry about the gold farmers. Because, like uh, Sayella said, you can go in. You can use your PayPal account or a credit card or a debit card, and you go in there and you say you want to buy uh, $50 worth of gems. I think that equates to like 4000 With that 4000 I used it for bank upgrades. 
So, you know, instead of only having a few spots, now I've got plenty of bank space. I don't have to worry about that. I've got one racks for each cust, uh, each tune that I have. But if you're in a position to where you need gold, you don't have to go out to the sleazy farmers and, and, and risk your credit or anything like that. Right in the game, they have it built in to where you can trade those gems in for gold. So if you're just dying miserably and you're broke and you can't afford repairs and you have some gems, you can sell some of your gems for whatever the market value is and pick up like two, three, four gold for maybe – and in the game, that doesn't sound a lot, you know, because uh, most of us compare it with WoW. But in this game, three, four, or five gold is a lot of money. So they pretty much, you know, uh, hosed over the Chinese farmers and, you know, the other people that are out there trying to ruin the game. They thought of everything when they created the store, so it was uh, well implemented. I have a public service announcement on that model. You mentioned gold farmers. So this is for all you wild players out there. Gold farmers do not sell gold based on farming anymore. They sell it based on stealing people's accounts. Um, Blizzard has enough security in place that you can't actually farm gold and sell it anymore. Uh, they get it by stealing people's accounts, and they can only steal your account if you don't have an authenticator. Uh, for the most part. If you don't have an authenticator and someone steals your account, it's your fault. Um, get an authenticator. You can get one on your smartphone for free. Otherwise, you can send Blizzard a couple bucks for shipping and they will mail you an authenticator. Um, in that same vein, ArenaNet did just announce that <coughs> uh, two-factor authentication for Guild Wars 2. Um, if it's not live now, it will be in the next couple of days. Uh, on your smartphone, either Windows Phone, uh, Android, or iPhone, you can get the Google Authenticator app, uh, go to the Guild Wars site, scan the QR code, and you will have your own Guild Wars 2 Authenticator in your hand. Um, if somebody steals your account on an Authenticator-enabled game, and you don't have an Authenticator, it's your fault. I'm just saying that. And for those of you that are out there playing Star Wars, they also have the Authenticator that you can purchase for a few mere bucks to protect your account. Oh, I, I have a comment on that. Um, I got a new phone, and I have plenty of authenticators on my smartphone. I have one for Gmail. Um, I have one for LastPass, which is a password service. I had one for Star Wars, and I had one for Blizzard. When I got a new phone, the only one I couldn't just move to my new phone by going to the website, scanning a couple things on the phones, was the Star Wars one. They actually made me call them. Um, I thought that was unconscionable. But... The the rift no. the the rift between me and EA is deep, so that may be unfair on my part. Well, you know. Well, it's good <laughs> they had that kind of security. I mean, it, it does say something. I mean, that I can understand your aggravation, but then on the other side, you know, it's like, wow, okay, they really are looking out for us, even though the people are going free. But you know, for that short period of time that I'm paying, they're looking out for me. All right, and then my last question about Guild Wars 2 is uh, future content updates. Have you guys seen anything about what ArenaNet has planned for Guild Wars 2? Well, um, one of the things you just mentioned, which 
I don't think they've come out with yet was the authenticator, which I was going to mention tonight, so you've already taken care of that. Uh, the customizable PvP is something that's that's coming out in the future, and paid automated turn, tournaments, which have higher rewards, and free automated tournaments, so that's something in the future. I have seen mention, nothing firm on that, that they are going to make uh, more amenities for guilds, uh, including, I think they're going to have um, maybe guild halls eventually and I know back before the game was released they mentioned something about also maybe player housing but I haven't really seen anything definitive about that I had seen the player housing as well that it would appear um, every player's got like that that home instance in their starting city Um, I'm a human mine is in Divinity's Landing I think it's called. Um, Divinity's Reach. Yeah. Divinity's Reach. Um, that everybody's going to, that eventually, whenever it happens, that everybody will have um, a home in their in their home instance. Um, but that, well, yeah, that wasn't ready yet. So I did see that. Uh, guild halls would be nice. The thing that I really want to see from an, MM, an MMO at some point, as far as guild housing goes, is um, claiming objects or places in the world. Um and this is something that's been tossed around a few times at, like, uh, gaming conferences um, when devs talk. It's sort of like their their holy grail of housing. So, like, if you're a WoW player and, you know, your guild clears heroic whatever, you could claim that, that dungeon as your guild hall. Um, and that's, that's, that's what I would like to see in, in, in Guild Wars 2. So that, like, say there's an old burned-out fort in whatever zone, that Nor could go claim it. And if you're out questing, you can leave it as the burned-out fort where you have your little quest guy and you know, your vendors and stuff. But if you could also, you know, if there's a mode where you could switch that to your guild hall so they're like the Nor banners flying out and we've got our own people there. Um, I think that's... I've seen it talked about many, many times from many different companies and developers that that's how they want to do housing. Um, given everything that Guild Wars 2 has done right, I hope that's the way they go. Because um, if it's just, you know, guild housing is, you know, basically an apartment in whatever city you're in, sort of like housing was in Anarchy Online or most other games, uh, I'll be a little disappointed. But if they can do something like that where it's out in the world and you can claim certain spots for guild housing, that would be fantastic. That would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, the way that, that other games have done... Uh, player housing and guild housing is just very disappointing. Um, you know, specifically Dark Age of Camelot. That was terrible when they introduced uh, player housing. Where it was, they made a separate zone just for housing. And yeah. You had to buy a plot and then it was that. I like that better than the apartment model where everybody's house is the same physical building in the world. And everybody's running in and out of the same door, but when they go in, they're in their house instead of somebody else's. Um, I call that the apartment model. I don't like that because it funnels too many players into one spot. Um, sort right. of like, Sort of like how during Cataclysm, every Alliance player hung out at one of the two auction houses in Stormwind, and every Horde player hung out at the two auction houses in Orgrimmar. Um, right. It funnels everybody into one spot, so I don't like that. But, you know... The way Dark Age of Camelot did it was bad. They created a zone, and all that zone had was housing plots. You buy a house, you pay your rent. Um, it was like walking through the world's most boring suburb. Yes, it was terrible, you know, and then you had to travel 
so far to get to your guild hall or your house. So yeah, it's, it's kind of and it, yeah, if for for like the Nor branch, we played the Hibernia faction in Dark Age of Camelot. The expansion packs for that game expanded that continent south. The guild halls were north. So as the game got bigger, they kept drawing you further and further away from your guild hall. And there wasn't a fast travel option. I mean, there was, like, you could talk to the horse vendor and they'd take you, but, I mean, that that would become like a 15-minute trip. It was, oh, yeah. It was, it, was it was a nightmare. Um, yeah. So, and it was laggy. Yeah, but given everything Guild Wars 2 has done right, I think when they do housing... Um, you know, player housing is supposed to be in your in your home instance, so each race will have its own area. But guild housing, I think they'll do something good. I would, I think the the apartment model, I think, would be a disappointment. Yeah, um, kind of hey. like um, Ultima Online. I don't know if anyone's played that, but um, you know, there were only so many places that you could get and uh, put a house on, um, and that was kind of cool. You know, so I don't know. I played Ultima Online before I was a nice person, well before I was a member of Nor, and all I remember about that game is some guild was having, like, this low-level outing or meeting or something, and this was back when the game was still full-on open PvP, and I killed every one of them. You're the... You're that... Oh, man. I... I know that that was one of the first real popular MMOs, but it could have been Nora for all I know. Um, but yeah, I mean that game launched fully open PvP, where if you were out in the world, you were a target, and yeah, I killed like a whole yeah. game. Um, yeah, that was wide open PvP. I mean, if you went outside the city limits, you were fair game. So, if you didn't PvP, you, it was miserable. But fun. Kind of scary. All right, that's all I have for Guild Wars 2. Does anybody else have any questions? No, I think we pretty well covered everything. I think you Yeah, it's an awesome game. It is. It's a, it's a, it's a very good game. Like I said before, World vs. World could be its own game. Um, they could have released that as a $40 game by itself. Uh, and I think... Yeah, I agree. A, a sizable number of people would have purchased it. I would have purchased it. It is, it is the the promise of Dark Age of Camelot's PvP realized. Um, it's it's great. Um, let's move on to some realm events. Uh, Burley will help me with this one. Uh, the Old Republic's weekly end game events are on Tuesdays. Um, I actually logged in and sort of interrupted theirs last week after I posted the podcast uh, <laughs> to promote it to make sure that I, I went from branch to branch, making sure that everybody knew that we posted the first Nor podcast. <laughs> and I did it in Star Wars while they were in their raid. So, you know, I posted that first thing, and, like, Tundra's like, shut up, we're in the middle of a fight. Give it a <laughs> um, <laughs> He didn't actually say shut up, but he should have. Um, in his mind, he did. How are the weekly events going on, on Star Wars, Burley? Oh, they're going great. I try to make them every week. This week, unfortunately, I had some studying to do. So I was unable to make it, but uh, every week we have a good turnout. We're usually uh, trying to do some sort of uh, either four-man, you know, hard mode, or we try to get into some of the operations, and uh, it's just been good turnouts. And sometimes we'll pug, you know, whatever uh, we need, and it's just great. Everybody in Star Wars seems to, it's a very mature crowd. People seem to get along. You don't have that squabbling. Uh, it's, it's quite enjoyable. It does eat up a little bit of time and it does take some patience, but 
overall, it's uh, well worth the, you know, whether you're paying for it or, you know, if you want to go free to play. It's a, it's a great game. So that's one from their, from their free to play chart. Um, there's not a whole lot of details on the Star Wars free to play yet, but the free to play chart says that, uh, free players won't have access to operations. Um, I'm assuming they'll be able to buy access with their cartel coins. Do you know anything about that? Uh, I was looking into it, but it seems like some things are changing. Uh, at this point, I don't have anything definitive. Uh, what I do understand is there are, there are going to be some limitations for those who like to go to, you know, the, the different operations. Uh, it will be limited. You can only go once or twice a week. And for some of the, uh, the groupings, that's going to be limited as well. So, if you're about the leveling, shouldn't be a problem. If you're about the group activities, then, yeah, that's going to be a problem. Well, do you have um, events on the Empire side, or is it just the Republic? I only have a little one on the one side, uh, on, their, on the bad guys, the Sith. The so, bad guys. Yeah, I like to call them the, the Sithies, but... Uh, <laughs> I would like to see us uh, maybe start opening that up. I don't believe at this time we have. I have been delinquent. I have not been in the game as much as uh, I'd like to recently because of work and some other things. I know this is something Lass can certainly understand. Uh, I have been playing a little bit of Guild Wars 2, but I really haven't been in there quite as much as I would like to be either. Yeah, uh, work, yeah work's taking a precedence right now, and... You know, I'm working on some other things on the back burner, and uh, just to throw a plug in there, uh, myself and Lass and, and a few of the other officers are working on the uh, the Norbash coming up this summer. Stay tuned, and uh, we'll get you updated on what's going on, where's it at, and things like that. So I really haven't been as involved in the game as I would like. But, yes, we should have uh, events on both sides. But at this point, it's uh, it's primarily you know just the empire. Uh, well, that's understandable. I mean, I mean, um, I know most people you know made characters on the Republic side and leveled those up. Um, there's only I think a couple people that play on the the Empire side. Is that right? Actually, it's growing more and more. Uh, the majority of the people do have it on the Republic side, but the Empire side does have quite a few players that we're going to need to. Uh, Start thinking about them. It's not really fair for everybody if we're always playing on the same side. Unfortunately, like I said, I have a level 20. I'm trying to get it up to 50. Uh, I haven't had the time to dedicate to do that, but I would like to do events on that side, too, just to see what it's like because uh, the game was very well thought out, and, and all the events are enjoyable. Uh, I actually think, and this kills me to admit it, that the Empire... Uh, quest lines are maybe a little bit better than the Republic, but it's all yeah. fun to play. Well, that's that's the common thing I've heard that the 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 Empire storylines are better than the Republic ones. But I can't bring myself to play Empire because Sith are evil. Um, you know, lots well, of games have one faction or another. There's Horde and Alliance and Warcraft, but neither one is really a bad guy. They're just opposed. Um, the Sith are evil. They're just flat out evil. Yeah, and no, I, thought, I would have thought you would have enjoyed that, Tello. Yeah. Back in my younger days, when I was killing, you know, entire guilds in Ultima Online, 
I would have enjoyed. Now, mind you, I was like 16 when I did that. Um, yeah. I yeah, probably would have enjoyed that, but like I play a game like 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 the actual like the single player Old Republic or Mass Effect or anything like that. When I play through those, I am always like fully good by the end. And if I try to go through again and play again as evil, my wife just like laughs at me because the first time I have to make that bad guy decision, I don't. I just can't do it. I can't be the bad guy anymore. <laughs> I don't know what happened, but that got beaten out of me. I tried it myself. You know, um, I, I have an assassin on the Empire side, and I've had to make some hard decisions. And, you know, and I don't know why, because it's just a stupid game, but all of a sudden, you know, when I when I make that, yeah, go ahead and kill him. He deserved it. Then it's like, oh, man, that was so wrong. You know, and I start feeling guilty for it. But I, I'm soon over, you know, with the next kill. But, yeah, you do feel guilty after a while because you're so used to doing things the right way. Actually, I, that was kind of one of the things that I liked about the, not to get philosophical here about the game, but one of the, and I think that sort of speaks to the quality of the storyline if you're feeling guilty about the decisions your character is making. And that also that these, these, some of these Empire characters are not just, you know, slathering, rabid caricatures of evil bad guys. You know, some of these guys are actually conflicted and some of them actually behave in a way that's good or that we would recognize as good or are sympathetic right. to, you know, suffering of very the characters. Uh, they're, they're very three-dimensional. You know, they're not just these sort of cardboard cutout. I mean, almost more th- almost more dimensional as characters, certainly than they were as villains in the movies. They were kind of kind of pet, you know, standard uh, right. villains. And, and here in the game, where we're seeing a more almost a, a richer environment, which I, I enjoyed. Yeah, and and what's really yeah. funny is you find out that the Republic is a lot more corrupt than the movies let you on, you know. So you're, yeah. you're thinking, wow, these guys uh, maybe they aren't the good guys after all. So yeah, that's, that's the kind the of the thing. It's, it's really they really aren't good guys, bad guys. They're sort of good guys and bad guys on both sides, and that's that's why I enjoyed it. Agreed. Right. Yeah. And yep. Back to the the topic at hand. Do you guys have any events, uh, weekly events, other than the Tuesday Endgame Nights? No. Uh, I know at one time we were talking about possibly getting some PvP involved, uh, like on one night. But when Guild Wars 2 came out, it did kind of clear the house a little bit. So we didn't have quite as many people on as we normally would. But uh, Tundra's been doing an amazing job over there, him and the other officers besides myself who's a slacker, uh, they've really been working on it. And those guys are just, the recruitment is going on. They're getting more bodies. Uh, I, I think people are at a threshold of seeing Nor with a turnaround. We, we reinvented ourselves. We're, we're looking at what doesn't work. We're throwing it out and, you know, out with the old, in with the new. And I think it's making a difference. We're getting new, fresh people with new, fresh ideas in. And uh, with the help of Lass and Rocks and the other high council members, we're sitting there realizing what doesn't work anymore, and we're getting rid of it. You know, we're changing with the times. So, uh, yeah, as far as Star Wars is going, Tundra's doing an amazing job recruiting, getting new people involved. Uh, and the people that I have the pleasure of playing with over there on the event nights, is uh, I've just really enjoyed playing with them. So there's uh, a lot going on for everybody. May I interject one thing real quickly? As far as events go with Star Wars, I believe every month Tundra tries to do something after the guild meeting. 
like we did the Plus 10 Datacron last time. So he does do a monthly event, usually following the meetings, too. So. And I would like to have Tundra, probably back here with Burley again, maybe, um, on the, the podcast here once Star Wars goes free-to-play. Because someone's going to have to give us all the details for that. Um, I'm currently... I'm currently still paying for the game, but I want my cartel coins, and I want it to be free. Um, that's what I want, at least until I'm 50 and I have to worry about operations and stuff like that. Sounds like a plan. I'd love to come back. All right. Um, moving on to Guild Wars 2 for Realm Events. They've got, you've got three, three weekly events now, correct? Yes, that is correct. Vistas are on Thursdays, Dungeon Runs are on Saturdays, and World vs. World are on Sundays. Yep. I know you said that that first World vs. World night, uh, Jara was sort of going to be your captain. Um, did that hold through to the second one? Yes, he actually has been. He's been there for both, and since he's pretty experienced in doing that, he's kind of taken the lead in that. So. Yeah, he's been a he's been a PvPer for as long as I've known him, and I've known him for a while now. So, uh, yeah, you could definitely do a lot worse. He knows what he's doing. Um, yeah, that's a pretty packed week. Three out of you know three nights. There's something to do. That's that's very good. Um, have you been noticing like pickup events? Are people doing dungeons outside of the the guild time, or are they saving it up for that Saturday night? Um, the majority have been doing it on the Saturday night. Some of the um, players that have actually achieved um, upwards of level eighty have been doing some on the side, just because. The rest of the group hasn't caught up, and they want to see what it's like. But for the most part, people have been saving it up for Saturdays. So, Oh, my God. There's something we didn't even mention in our discussion of Guild Wars 2. Uh, pertaining to dungeon runs, um, when you're doing low-level content, it lowers your level. Yep, it knocks exactly. Your, it knocks your health down to the proper health for a character of that level. It knocks your stats down so that you wouldn't. it doesn't matter what content you're doing. It's going to be relevant. Um, and you get rewards based on the level you actually are, not the level of the content you're doing. Yep, exactly. Um, so, yeah, that's a, a – I can't believe I forgot that earlier in our discussion, but that's a big one for Guild Wars 2 is that keeps everything relevant for everybody. Um, it does create some annoyances if you just want somebody to run you through something because they can't, but um, that's probably not the right way to be gearing up and playing anyway. Well, I actually – I agree with you on that. I – I think it's a, a double-edged sword, but I like it like it is. And, and I don't mean to pick on names, but uh, poor Zalus, he came in there. This is before he he was all the way up there, and he had this uh, Dead Mines World of Warcraft run where you get the mage and you just, you know, spam your spell and everything falls over dead, and then the little guy picks up the loot. Not going to happen. I don't care if you're level 80 in there. You are not one-shotting anything, and uh, it's very likely you're going to die, and I think it makes it a real challenge for everybody. You have to work together as a team. See, that's a good thing to do. Um, it keeps the game relevant. It keeps you doing stuff that's fun. Um, I, I, I will admit I do like going back to old dungeons and killing everything, and... You know, now that I'm level 90 in World of Warcraft, I can do, um, unless there's like a specific mechanic that you need more than one person for, I can do all of the Lich King raids and earlier entirely solo. 
So that's kind of fun if I want to go back and get gear for transmog so I can make my character look like something else. But um, I do like how they do it in Guild Wars where it downlevels you. Um, when I found myself behind on level from the questing zone I was supposed to be in, you know, I started doing the, the starter zone for the Silvari. I'm playing a human. And it downleveled me, so all the content, you know, I wasn't just, like, breezing through it and being bored. It was all, It was all fun. So, you know, that was a... I think that was another good thing Guild Wars 2 did. ArenaNet did a very good job on this game. Um, the only thing that really doesn't make sense to me in this game is the lore behind it in the story. Um, it seems extremely convoluted, even for an MMO, but once you get past that, there's a great game in there. Yes, definitely. Their their attention to detail is unsurpassed from any game I've ever played. And to give you an example, the other day I happened to be standing in Lion's Arch. I was in the bank doing something, and a bird happened to fly by. And as the bird flew by, I just kind of caught it out of the corner of my eye as I was sitting there. One little lone downy feather flew off the bird and just slowly fell to the floor. And I just sat there and I thought, wow that much detail they you know that they even thought of something like that wow yeah that is pretty good yeah that's the kind of thing you'd expect to see in a single player game mm-hmm. all right um just some other news and notes uh, always check out the nor forums for all the latest and greatest if you want to read something of mine because i like to pimp myself out read my XCOM post where i have killed off several members of nor while playing the new XCOM Enemy Unknown from Civilization Makers for Rexus. Um, if you're looking for a turn-based strategy game to play, it is extremely fun in a genre that is very, very underserved. Uh, there are not a lot of uh, turn-based strategy games that are squad-based combat games like this anymore. It was a genre that was big in the 90s, but it's not anymore, so... You know, if you're itching for some some good strategy, uh, definitely give XCOM a look. Um, also on the forums, there's a couple new discussions about upcoming games. Um, you know, Neverwinter, like we mentioned before. Uh, Chris Roberts, the creator of the old Wing Commander series and the uh, Privateer and Freelancer series, is back in the game industry after 10 years away. And today at uh, the Game Developers Conference, he announced uh, Star Citizen, which is an upcoming space MMO that's going to have also uh, completely single-player offline content with it. Um, that single-player offline content is going to play like the old Wing Commander Flight Space Sims, um, game's going to be about two years from now. Uh, beta will be starting for early purchasers of their... Um, they're doing some crowdfunding, and they're not using Kickstarter, but it's a Kickstarter-like program. And, you know, early purchasers will be able to play about a year from now from the alphas and the betas. Um, and it's going to be like Guild Wars 2 in terms of business model. It's going to be you buy it once, and then after that, there's going to be a cash shop for, like, customization items and that kind of thing. Um, so everybody should take a look at that. Um, it's nice to see a, a titan of the game industry coming back in. And then oh, yeah. I think the last item from the forums is that uh, griffins are currently crushing unicorns, even in Roxy's, <laughs> Roxy's completely biased no. poll. Yeah. Yes, in your poll, the one you put up on your forum that says vote here well, if you like unicorns only, you're at 39%, griffins are at 61%. Well, I that. Th- that there has been some type of voter tampering 
I cannot prove it, but I suspect that. I think there's only been one type of voter tampering. When Lass's poll expired that had all the original options, that no longer appeared on the portal, and now yours does, so more people are seeing it, and they're voting for Griffins like they would have originally. Rock, I'm on your side. I believe that there has been tampering, because there's no way that many people would vote for unicorns. Oh, you're hateful. <laughs> they suck. <laughs> <laughs> but aren't Sam, they just like aren't they just like horsies with a sword on their forehead? They're like what? They're beautiful regal animals. Horses with a sword stuck to their head. <laughs> well, I can tell you what that sword is capable of, but this is a family channel, so you know. They're horses in need of some rhinoplasty. <laughs> oh, God. oh, you all suck. All right, that's all I have this week. Does anybody else have any updates they want to share? Uh, no, no, not for me. Just no, all quiet for me, too. Listening. All right. Then everybody give me a Hail Nor, and we will sign off. Hail Nor. Hail Nor. Hail Nor. Hail Nor. Hail Nor.